Jamie Summers from Afternoons with Heart and Humor. Something you may not know about me is I'm really conscious of what I put in my body. So I eat healthy, try to stay as active as possible. That's also why I was so excited when I heard that Dr. Kellum at the Kellum Stem Cell Institute is able to retrieve my own stem cells and place them exactly where I need them most with focused infusions. If you're ready for something more effective and a healthier way to heal, get more information at KellumStemCellInstitute.com. When we last spoke, a brand new movie based on the novel of the same name, and we get to spend some time with the author of that novel, Marcy Henna. So to begin at the beginning, Marcy, uh, what is this story all about? It takes place during the, uh, the Vietnam War, at the height of the Vietnam War in 1967, and um, the father in the story is, has to go off to Vietnam and leave his family. And his wife was a former Broadway star, and she is not digging her, <laughs> her, her solitude and, and, and having to raise two feisty little girls. And, and the little girls are played by Darby Camp and Chandler Head, by the way. And so she just decides um, to, to return to Broadway, and she dumps the kids off on um, her in-law's porch. So they're, they're, the little girls um, are dumped off on the porch of Ruby and Walt, who are played by Corbin Burnson and uh, Melissa Gilbert. And the grandparents have no idea they're coming. I mean, they were just living their lives, you know, um, there on the ranch in the hill country, and, and here they are. And so they, they handle it with a lot of grace, and they, they um, give the girls a lot of love and a lot of structure and try to get their feet under, under them. And just when they think they've hit their stride, well, then along comes Walt's mother. Um, he's played by Cloris Leachman, and she is dumped off on their porch, too. And she's rather cantankerous. She wears clothes like Emily Dickinson. She quotes her poetry. She also sometimes dresses as Eleanor Roosevelt. And she's quite, quite funny and also quite difficult. So that's kind of the, the basis of the story. And to tell you how I was inspired to write this, um, I could just only point to my grandparents. We lived out on the family ranch, which has been the family since the 1800s. And, you know, we had cattle and sheep and chickens and all sorts of things. And meanwhile, my dad also worked a, a full-time job uh, for, the, for the government. But every day, as, as we would walk the, to school, we'd pass by my grandparents' house, which is about a mile down the road, and, um, you know, wave to them. We'd come back, and my grandmother would bring us in, and we would have, you know, she'd have dessert for us or some kind of snack, like homemade cake or cookies and, and some milk. And we would listen to um, my grandfather hold forth on family stories. He's quite an oral storyteller. Mm. And he would sit in his, he had an old office chair. He would sit back in and lean back against the wall. I was always terrified that he was going to slip and fall. <laughs> but he never did, you know, just miraculously. And he would hold forth on stories that he had been told as a child, had been through all sorts of generations, just been handed down. And I would sit there just as long as he would keep talking. I just loved it, and it made quite of an impression on me. And my grandmother from my, my other side of the family, from my mother's side, also told us delightful stories every night before we went to bed when we would go to visit them. So there was a great uh, tradition of storytelling. And after my grandparents passed away, oh, my goodness, um, I missed them so much. And I wanted to do something that would honor their memories and their way of speaking, their colloquialisms, their, their hobbies and their pastimes, and just everything I could about them so that they wouldn't, wouldn't um, go away, that it wouldn't pass away with them. So they were kind of... Um, I based 
Walt and Ruby, the grandparents, story a little bit on them, mainly using their pastimes and their some of their, their manners of speaking and uh, just, you know, their heights. My grandfather was 6'4", mm. my grandmother was like 5 feet, and so when she, <laughs> when they would hug, she looked like right into his belly, you know, because <laughs> she was so short. <laughs> so, so that's the way I wrote the book, but let me just say that the, the uh, plot itself is completely fiction. There are, just, there are some real moments, of course, in there, but not the plot itself. Talk about what it's like to make that transition and to be involved in the transition from the book to a movie, because how many times do we hear people that love the book and then they saw the movie like, it was nothing like the book? Oh, my goodness. I have a very different story to tell because I have loved it, loved it, loved it, and can't wait to make the next one, which we plan to make more movies uh, in the series, by the way. Mm. So it was fun. Development was great. We had, uh, for screenwriters, we had uh, Jimmy Hager, Rick Eldridge, and uh, Joanne Hawk uh, did the actual polish on the screenplay which and gave us our shooting script. So it was a blast. We all got along great. And um, they really got the, the heart of the story. And, of course, when, you know, there's al- there always be changes when you move from a lot of narrative that's in a novel form to screenplay because... Um, it only takes one second on film to show what it took me four pages to describe <laughs> a book. <laughs> yeah, <You> know? Yeah. <laughs> so there, there are lots of changes, and there are always funding considerations as well. But I found it to be delightful and just love it. Can't wait to do it again. So were you on the set and being able to speak into things as it was being yes. filmed? Okay. Yes. I've been very involved. I'm, I became executive producer um, somewhere on the journey. And, um, yes, I was there all day long, every day, and just was captivated by the whole process and so amazed about how hardworking mm. the crew and, and the um, character, the cast were, truly. And especially the director, I think. She got about four hours, four hours or maybe three hours of sleep a night. <laughs> so that was about it. But it. It was fun. And then I'm assuming, you know, you always wonder, are people as delightful on screen as they are off for Melissa Gilbert or Cloris Leachman, um, uh, Corbin Burnson? Did you find them to be uh, engaging and genuine and fun to work with? Did they like the idea of having the author around? Well, you know, we all hit it off. And um, let me tell you a little bit about each of them. So what I can tell you about Melissa is that she's very professional. She is on it and on our, on point and even helped to guide um, our young stars, um, you know, our little girls who are in the stories as well. She kind of mothered them a little bit um, in the process. And so she, she, she got it and did a beautiful job. And Corbin, as you know, um, often plays kind of heavy, tough guys, mm-hmm. and like in L.A. Law and, and other shows. And so our character of Walt is kind of a more of a gentle, um, very gentle, giving, loving um, person who kind of becomes a Santa Claus in a way mm. to his family in the story. And he, he, you know, spent a couple of days getting to know the character, and boy, did he nail it. He really, really did. I was... I thought that was such a huge transition to go for those other types of characters to this. He he did a magnificent job. And then Cloris is hysterical. <laughs> Kept us in stitches the entire time. It was hard to keep our face faces straight. <laughs> so behind the scenes she was she was cutting up and and um she had this affection for chocolate candy. And sometimes did not want to part with it <laughs> when we were shooting uh, pictures and stuff. So <laughs> she was she was funny and you know pulling the photographer's legs and 
blowing kisses, and it was it was fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, talk a little bit about some of the the takeaways. What what do you hope people after they've seen the film? What are some of the conversations you think that are that could be stirred, or some of the messages that'll resonate kind of in the afterglow? Well, we we've got quite a few themes that run through um, the the story, and so here are some takeaways that I think that they will they will have. Well, first of all, I hope they're going to feel better because there's something kind of healing about this film. So whatever you've been through, somehow you kind of can relate to this movie and you, you come out feeling better. Mm. But so, so for the themes, we have two people, in this case, Walt and Ruby, the grandparents. It, the theme is that they can make a huge difference in the life of children that cannot be measured. Just two people can really, really turn a disastrous situation into something remarkable. And another one is you've got to forgive others before you can move on. And this story has a real message of forgiveness um, among family members. So I think, I think we all can relate to that at some point in our lives. You, you do have to forgive. Um, otherwise, you, 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 you're kind of stuck. Yeah. And then, you know, and then not all families look alike and as if they've just stepped out of a Sears Robeck catalog. Because, you know, children might be raised by grandparents, aunts or uncles, friends, or they might be adoptive. And, and my husband and I are adoptive parents. Hmm. So we, we, know, we, we know how that is and um, are so grateful to be adoptive parents as well. That's and, awesome. <laughs> thank you. And faith is paramount in helping families transcend, transcend difficulties um, that just really can get you some, through just really, really tough times and give you the inner strength to move on. Another one that's kind of fun is dance where you are in whatever situation you find yourself, because if you wait until your life is perfect before you practice finding joy, then you might turn sour with regret later, because um, to just find, find, of course, dancing where you are is a metaphor for finding joy. So try to find joy even during those tough days, and that will get, that will help see you through. Families can be full of secrets, but so often, what is done is done out of love. And then, who doesn't have sibling rivalry, um, or who didn't as kids? If you had a sibling, you're probably at some point at odds with them. So these little girls in the story do squabble quite a bit, but when push comes to shove, they they always stand up for each other. They always unite. Love can transcend everything. It, it really can. Um, through time, it does. And last but not least, laughter is still the best medicine. Mm. I'm loving that. My goodness, dance where you are. Goodness. <laughs> <laughs> we do that here in our home. We do. <laughs> I would be remiss if I didn't at least touch on this for, uh, reading about your bio. Uh-huh. As a child, you were in Africa? Yes, as a very young child. I was in the early 60s. My father managed a medical research station. Um, we lived in the bush with the Wakamba tribe. And um, what they did at the medical research station was to perform heart, lung, and kidney transplants on baboons. Mm. And that is the research that preceded human transplants. Wow. So my father was not a surgeon. He was the manager of the station. Okay. So was it something where you have childhood memories and, and, and it sort of shaped there? It was just kind of you were young in that... Like, what kind of impression did it make on you? Were you old enough during the time? I do remember it uh, very vividly. We actually loved it there and loved the people that we met, that um, my dad worked with, the people in the community. 
um, our, our friends were the Wakamba. My sister and I spoke Kikamba mm. at the t- at the time, and you know, that, which is just a, a version of Swahili. And uh, it was it was remarkable. The animals were beautiful. The um, you know, I remember seeing. Well, we had a lot of elephants, and they were always knocking down trees, and we we're always <laughs> having to move the trees out of the road so we didn't get our Land Rover pass. <laughs> it was. It was something else, but yes, I do remember it very vividly. That's cool. I can only imagine um, anytime I feel there's international exposure at at younger ages and things, when we get a chance to see beyond just, you know, the four walls of whatever state we're in in the United States to get any kind of international flavor, I just think that takes anybody to the next level. Just Well, it changes your worldview. Yeah, yeah. Talk a little bit about so it's hard to release a movie in a pandemic and and trying to figure out all that so it's in theaters October twenty seventh and twenty ninth. That's correct. It is. It's in um, AMC Regal and Cinemark theaters and probably some others as well. And for, if people want to um, find out more about the movie, there are several ways they can do that. One is to go to um, www. You can see a movie trailer there and also buy tickets. Um, you can follow our movie on Facebook if you just look for When We Last Spoke Movie. Well, and this isn't the only book in the series and uh, apparently not the only movie, right? It does continue. I'm, I'm working with, actually, I've got a conference call right after this. Um, I've been, in, been working with Joanne Hawk on, on the screenplay for the next one or two. We are doing that, so looking forward to that. Let me give you another resource for um, videos on the film. Um, you can go to my site. It's www.marcihenna.com, and there are lots of um, movie trailers and sizzle reels and all sorts of things for people to take a look at, and also um, to let people know that my books are available on Amazon.com.